Welcome to the All Manner of Things podcast. In this episode, we'll be reviewing The Big Book of Madness. Hi, my name's Peter. And I'm Shondell. And in this podcast, we'll be reviewing board games. And today, we're reviewing The Big Book of Madness. It plays two to five players. It's a game for ages 14 plus. And it plays for approximately 60 to 90 minutes, depending on the number of players you have. Basic gameplay. In Big Book of Madness, you play uh, first-year students in a magic school. You're a little disappointed um, that you haven't learnt as much as what you want to learn, so you all decide to sneak down into a forbidden library and open a book called The Grimoire. So the grimoire in this game is made of cards you select at the start. There's a front cover card um, and a back cover card, and then you just randomly pick a few pages to go in the middle. Actually, I think there's a bunch of different front covers as well, just for a bit of variety. But the grimoire, it turns out, is not a good book to open. It's full of these creatures who burst out and send these curses out into the world. You have to try and kill all these creatures without going mad at the sight of them. The biggest thing is that you need to kill the last creature in the book, otherwise you lose the game. So kill a creature, you... It produces a series of curses and each one of these curses has uh, traditionally like four basic elements that the players need to work together using their hand of element cards to try and defeat and by matching those element cards with what they've got in their hands. So it is a deck building style of game. You have six cards in your hands and a discard and a draw pile and you gain more cards or more element cards of the earth, fire, wind and water and build up your hand to try and defeat the pages of the grimoire on the creatures within it as you go. And you can also learn more spells as you go. Yes. Um, you start off, everyone starts off with four, the same four basic spells, what you've just been learning in your first year. And then there's a few spells around the library that you see that you can pick up throughout the game um, but you can only have five spells in front of you at a time that you can cast so on your turn you can learn a spell cast a spell gain an element card destroy a curse or heal yourself and so what you're healing yourself from is madness and that's the big thing with this game because it is called the big book of madness um, there's a certain number of madness cards in the void to start off with Throughout the game, different curses and different things will cause you to add more madness cards to your hand, which get really annoying because you need to be drawing element cards and you're drawing madness cards instead. And you can lose the game. If you ever draw six madness cards at once, then you're eliminated from the game. And if everyone's eliminated, then you lose. But you can also lose the game if there's no madness cards left in that draw pile. There are also different levels you can play this game on, easy, medium and hard. And on top of that, there are different modes of play, which are normal, terror and nightmare. If you ever get past normal, easy (laughs) and are able to win, then let us know because this is a tricky game. Review. All right, presentation. Um, I gave this one a five. And I gave it a five as well. 
I really like the artwork on the character cards in this. Yes. More than the rest of the presentation. Each character, like they almost have a personality. They almost have a character just in the picture that is drawn. I totally agree. On the character cards. Like they're so varied and so different and yeah. As well as the, the, the monsters as well. I find that that there's a few monsters there that you know that they're crazy and they're they're lurking like the spiders and the and the crazy yeah, yeah. the ones with the big eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so good, so clever. Um, it doesn't need a backstory. Well, there is a backstory, obviously, in this game, but uh, the individual characters don't have backstories. No, but you can almost you can almost see it just by looking at them. Yes, what their backstories are. What else? The the grimoire, apart from the fact that I like saying grimoire, I think it's a pretty cool way to set up the different rounds, like the fact that you put this book together that's got a cover artwork and it's yeah. got, you know, the back cover artwork, even though you never turn over that back page to see it, it's still, you know, you've put this book together, this tomb of monsters. Very, very clever. And... Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that in the replayability section of it, but it's just because you can shuffle those pages together, there's that unlimited combination of when these these monsters come towards you and and it, it's just excellent. The whole the whole thing is just where you put them on the board, the, the madness cards sitting in that that void. Yep. Um, it, it's very clever. Um, there's also just one little thing, and it's just such a little thing. It's, but it's, it's the, a negative, is it? Yeah, but it's not enough to mark it down. So you've got these two tokens. Um, one tracks sort of the curses within the rounds, and then the other one tracks the rounds itself. And the one that tracks the curses within the rounds is a little book token, and it's yeah. amazing, this little spell book. It looks so yep. good. Yep. The other one is like a wizard's hat. It does not look like a wizard's hat. No. It's just a cone almost. It just, compared to everything else in the game, that little hat token sort of doesn't uphold the high presentation of the rest of the game. Mm. You have to use your imagination on that one. Yeah, it took us a while to work out what it actually was and then we're like, oh, it's a hat. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's, it was such a little thing. I wasn't going to mark the game. I wasn't going to mark it down for it because it's such a beautiful game. Yes, uh, I'll add a couple more points to that. I found the box itself. There is a space for everything, but not everything has a, uh, a place. So the first player marker, for example, doesn't quite fit in properly. Kind of sits a little bit to the side. The bits uh, themselves, those individual tokens and stuff, they can float around a little bit. But on the whole, yeah, really, really well done. Everything's yeah. everything's fits in quite nicely. There's probably a space for expansions if you needed to have it as well um, with some of those cards, those character cards and, and pages. And I also found the instruction book really nice. It had lots of pictures through it. Yep. And uh, quite clear in the in the detail. There is a lot of detail. It's quite a complex game. I find there's a lot going on in each of the rounds and lots to remember. But yeah, they've done very well with with the presentation and layout of the instruction book. Cool. So on to rookie rating. I gave this a three. I gave it a four. Okay. Three is probably one of my lowest ratings I've I've ever given in any of our board game ratings. Um, 
But uh, I found that the learning curve is quite steep if you want to win. (laughs) And you're probably not going to win the first time you play or the second time you play or the third time (laughs) you play. So be prepared for a challenge. But once you get your head around what you need to do, and in a sense there isn't a lot to remember, it's just the, getting that right combination of cards to be able to influence somebody else's hand or put things into support, which is an excellent mechanism, which just it just can be a little bit complicated, I suppose, for um, for a rookie first starting out, first playing. Yep. Um, it is, though, it is a co-op. Yes. And as always with a co-op, as long as you've got one person at the table who knows how to play – they can really help you yeah. through that, overcome that, working out what to do. Exactly. And I, look, I, I've mentioned here as well that try the first time you play to everyone play with an open hand. And I found that when I was teaching this to a, a mixed age group, that's the way we started. And I found that was most successful because people were then pointing at what other people had in their hand and realising that you can have this chain of events that can allow you guys to get more cards into support so you can actually use them. It's just one of those things, that are like a, a training tool to start off with and then second time around you probably feel a lot more comfortable so you can have the, the cards and you'll be able to talk about it within the, within the group. Well, I marked it higher than you. I think it looks inviting to everyone. I don't think, even though the gameplay might be a little bit complicated, it doesn't look daunting. So it looks like the type of game that most people would be willing to pick up. It is a 14 plus though. So it is, like I said, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, There's not a lot of iconography at all. It's all text on the cards that you need to know. When it comes to things that you need to know throughout the game, it's text that's written on the cards. Yeah. Sometimes these need a bit of explanation, particularly on the spells. And then the other thing was that you need to remember the steps of a of a turn and what order to follow things through and exactly. when you do things. Yeah. And that is really important because, for example, you only refresh your hand up to six cards again at the end of your turn. So if something happens throughout other people's turns that makes you lose all the cards from your hand, you have to remember that you can't draw a hand of six cards at the start of your turn because that's not the order that things go. However, there is a cheat sheet to help you remember all of that. And the other thing as well is when you use those spells, remember to tap them and yes. uh, because once you have used them, your, your turn is over, it doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't going to be used again because someone could use point to you use the the air card uh, or air spell and then you'd have you want to be able to remember that you have already used that that yeah, particular spell yeah. so the air spell is the one that gives you like you can give an action to another person yeah. but if on their turn they've used up all their spells exactly. then there's no point so yeah it's just it's a bit it's, to remember it is yeah. but there's a sheet there's a cheat sheet that tells you everything all you need to do is just Slow down and read the steps rather than just exactly. racing ahead because you get so you get so busy planning, okay, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then that's going to happen that yep. it gets to your turn and you just jump straight in to do it. But you have to remember, no, slow down, 
what happens first? What happens second? Exactly. You know? And, and I'm, I'm terrible that at that. I am terrible at that. And, and um, Shondell, you are amazing at doing that, slowing everyone down and, and go, okay, let's follow the sheet. Let's follow the next yeah. step, next step. And so, yeah, when I taught it, there was a lot of chaos going around, a lot of questions bouncing my way, and I didn't feel like the game gelled as well as other games that I've taught previously. So player interaction, I have given this a five. And I gave this a four. Interesting. I don't see how you can mark this one down for player interaction. So the things that I've said is you can work out like when a curse, the curse cards come up. So when you, when you first turn the page of a book and a new monster appears and you lay out these curse cards, the curses don't hit you until the book marker, the invocation marker reaches that particular curse. But you can see... You can see when that bookmarker is going to be at a particular curse. You know whose turn it's going to be. So you can, like, everyone's looking at it going, okay, so we need to cure that one before it gets to this person's turn. So obviously this person can't help because it's not going to be their turn yet unless I can give them an action. And who has the cards for this? And it's all just working together to try and work out, you know, how you're going to best do this. And even though, like I did mention earlier, there is text rather than icons it's not text that's on the cards in your hand so it's not like you're reading you have to read cards during other people's turns to work out what's going on you're spending everyone's turn working together to try and work out how to beat this book so the reason why i knocked it down one is only for that game that i have taught Um, you did have personalities in the room that were wanting to take control. They understood the game a little bit faster than other players and yep. seemed to take over what other people were doing. It's, Always a risk in a co-op. Yeah, it, it is, and that's fine. The other people were learning, and, and look, I'm a quiet observer before I feel confident to be able to say, yes, I can do this. But, uh, yeah, it did lend to the stronger personalities in the room having a lot more to say than the weaker ones. If you do put those cards out and show everybody, there is that risk of people taking over. So, yeah, that's the only reason why I knocked it down one. I have, before this podcast started, I actually had a a brief conversation with you about does this play better with more people? Yeah. Um, now we've played it twice. Sorry, we've played it with two players, uh, probably a, what would you say about six times? Yeah, I think so. And we and then have, once we played with a a third player who was yeah. just a imaginary player. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah, highly sociable. Um, and then once I've played it again with uh, the five entire five players, yep. which I've mentioned. And I found that with two players or three players, it played the same. It didn't really, it didn't make it harder or easier, but you had a different opinion. Yes. When I had five players, I found that they were using the, that air ability to bounce around people's turns, put things in support, bounce it to another person who could then do something else and then solve, potentially solve a lot of these um, pages or elements within the page uh, easier and faster than if there was just two. Especially you, you have more cards to, or more options to pass to players who have uh, might have more fire or water or air or earth. Yeah. That's what I'm calling them anyway. Because yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what they are. Yeah. I think... Um 
to balance that out though with more people taking getting through their decks faster and each time a card says everyone has to add a madness card to their deck you're going through the madness cards faster but you are um, giving I know you're giving I know you're giving cards. more but it's not proportionate maybe like to keep that balance with the more options of cards that you can share around each other from more players you have the more madness use getting used up faster and almost every time that we have lost this game we've lost it because we've gone mad yeah absolutely we haven't cured the madness fast enough yep so Which with cool. with more people playing and more people going crazy there's you know i feel that's the balance to the different numbers yep okay balance so this is a difficult one as always as it always is when it comes to a cooperative because you're talking about rookie versus expert and i think Look, rookie versus expert, everyone's going to lose anyway because this is a really difficult game the first <laughs> time you play. But uh, no, an expert will probably remember a little bit more about their abilities and have that in the back of their mind and you have potentially used that more. Yep. What spells um, are you going to use more often? What spells are less useful? Exactly. When you do upgrade your spells, which ones have the best ability and are worth it? Yep. All the because the, the the spell levels those power ups on the spells. There's three types, so they get increasingly stronger, but they also get increasing in the amounts they actually cost to cast the spell. Whether that is proportional, whether it yeah. actually works out well, and I ended up giving this a, a three. Yeah. Okay. Um. I gave it a four. You gave it a four? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was a bit unsure. Again, when it comes, it, it is a deck builder primarily. Yeah. It's a cooperative deck builder. And the deck builder, they've always got that 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 luck element in it because you're shuffling the cards and yeah. drawing drawing six and, and you slowly build your hand. Um, Plus you've got the whole with, with the luck also, the curse cards are shuffled, and or the not the curse cards, the um, the pages of the grimoire are shuffled, and so you know you could have a person up first who's strong on water, but there's no water curses in that particular yeah. round, so yeah. that luck element plays into it as well. What people's strengths are, and if my strength is this, but I need to be you know, if my strength is water, but I need to be curing a fire curse. Mm then that's just incredibly unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if there are no water curses and you've got enough to cure one. It's a bit devastating. But anyway, so carry on. Yeah, well, I think the, the game that, that I played with um, and was teaching, uh, there was one of the negative abilities was to remove a lot of the water cards and the very next page was you needed to have X number of water in a form yeah. of water. And everyone was – no one could – do anything about that and just everyone just got hit massively yeah. with, with the water so that was uh yeah so there is that 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 that, that balance that you have there and I, I end up giving it a three it's not a strong three i could probably be convinced to make it a four unless you've got any strong feelings about mm. that well i mean mine was a four so the other things with the, like the balance obviously the strategy versus luck and stuff you know everyone's strength and weaknesses 
You know it right from the start of the game, where people are strong, where they're weaker. You know your own strengths or weaknesses. And with the deck building aspect, you can build your deck to compensate for that. Mm. Um, There's also the fact that you can put things in support that helps the strategy side of things with all this other luck stuff happening. True. You've got the strategy side of I can put cards in support. As long as you're lucky enough to be able to get water cards into your hand because you need the water cards to cast the spell to put the cards in support. But as long as you can get the water cards and it's not water that you need to be putting in support because that (laughs) ends up being really awkward, then you can help each other out and you can. And there's also pre-warning of what curses are coming up on the next page. Yeah. And that makes a difference as well because, you know, if you can see there's no water cards coming up on the next page, then you're going to use them to cast spells because there's no point holding on to them for the time being. But if you can see there's a lot of fire and you've got a lot of fire in your hand, you'll probably hold off casting any spells with the fire because you are going to, you know you're going to need it for the next page. So there is that pre-warning yeah. that does help the strategy side of things to make it a little bit more balanced between strategy and luck and not too heavy on the luck. Just one other thing with the deck building as well. Like it is deck building, but not in the way it's – like it is and it isn't. Um, okay. It definitely is. <laughs> it, <laughs> but there are a lot it's of not a fast yeah. – you're not adding to your deck every round like other deck builders are because, I mean, you're adding madness if you're like you're adding madness to your deck every round. <laughs> but, um, but you're not um, – if you don't have the cards – to cure spell, um, cure spells, cure curses, or trade like discard cards to get higher value cards, then you have no way to build your deck. So the last game we played, you ended up with a much larger deck than I did, because you were curing a lot more curses than I was, which meant you had more. I don't know. It's it's a deck builder, but it's not an even deck builder if that makes sense. Because with normal deck builders, you you always have an opportunity to add something to your hand. And I guess this is what makes this game unique in my eyes because I've never played anything quite like this. That combination that you, you're talking about where you do have, yes, it is a deck builder and you had to put it in a, in a box or category, you'd say, yeah, it's a deck builder. Yeah. But there's, as you said, there's so much more to it. Yeah. And there's a... There's that fair bit of strategy that comes along with it, and there's a lot of rounds like, that you don't build yeah, your deck. And like some some rounds, like like some simplistic deck builders, if I can call like that, like Dominion, it, this has got so much more complexity involved with it. Yeah. So, if you wanted a first deck builder, probably not your first choice. No, not for a first co-op either. Yeah. But it's good for down the track. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads into replayability. So I gave this one a four. I gave it a four as well. We agree yeah. on something. Yay. Yes. <laughs> so it's a it's a challenge. My goodness, is this game a challenge. Yep. And we've only ever played it on easy. Yeah, Like there I are know. two other levels above easy. Uh, and we've played it, what, seven times and one once? Once I think we've won. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we didn't go, hey, we won Lance. Let's move up to medium. We went. No. Oh my gosh, what a fluke. <laughs> Not a fluke, but it just it felt good to win, but yeah. we weren't but game enough to move up to the harder harder levels. Oh, you definitely in this game, you feel like you, you really need to get your game face on. You really need to think talk strategy beforehand and you, you've got to you've got to be on the ball with every single round, every yep. single turn to make the most of it. You and know, sometimes like, you know, we get to the point where we're like, let's just let's just let these curses hit us. Let's just give up this page. 
yeah. to be able to build our decks and do those other or things. Or get rid of do. madness or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's been working so well for us <laughs> <laughs> or if that's been hurting us that we've been doing that sometimes. And there's that one bloody monster. There's that one monster who keeps sending us mad. Yeah. And every – he's more than once he's been the, the demise when we've turned that page and that particular red evil-looking dragon thing pops out, then we just we all just go crazy. Yeah. Essentially, it's, it's putting a madness underneath each one of the curses. And we always seem to draw it right near the end yep. where we're in the higher levels where we've got all five curses coming out. And yeah, and we just never have five madness cards left over. It's a brutal, brutal card. Yeah. If you're playing this for the first time, don't, don't put use that, that card, card in. Yeah. yeah. yeah just, <laughs> if you just see that take card. that card out. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he just, it kills us. It kills us every time. Uh, in terms of replayability, we talked about how attractive that theme is and how beautifully presented it is. That doesn't hurt in, in this game at all. It really makes you want to pull it off yeah. the shelf and play yeah. it again. Also, with um, multiple spells that, we, that are available as power-up spells, yep. that you can have as well as multiple pages of the books that you can shuffle. High replayability. Yep. I haven't even reshuffled those element, those curse cards that often. I don't know, you know, there's not probably not a huge range of negative abilities those curses have if you yeah. don't complete them, but this doesn't really feel like there's any need. It's just still, there's so much replayability with the other things that are like the power-ups, as I mentioned, and the, those pages that it doesn't really seem to be much of a need for any other types of combination changes. Yeah, no, I said sort of the same thing. So I've said like the order of the curses that come out, so whether it's a, a fire curse or a, then an air curse, then an earth curse, yep. or it's a different order, the order of those curses are varied. The grimoire is varied, so the book is varied, which means the monsters are varied, which means the consequences of failing to kill each monster are varied. Yep. The spells you can learn throughout the game are varied. This is all what you just said. However, for some reason... This game doesn't feel like it's got a, a lot of variety to me. I don't know I, what it is. I wanted is. to put another thing in there about the replayability as well before you talk about that. We haven't played, and we've played this this game, as you said, seven times or whatever. We haven't used or played all the characters either. No, no. The characters are thing. quite varied. Yeah. That's quite good. Yeah. They could do very different things. And we haven't but explored for some them reason, properly. Yeah. They're just... But you're having issues? It's, it's, I'm not having issues. You're having <laughs> an issue issues. with this game and I want to know what this, this replayability. It's not, it's not, it's not an issue. It's just something about it just doesn't feel like, even though I can say, I can say this is varied and that's varied and that's varied. Yet overall the game doesn't feel like it's got that much variety. And it sounds ridiculous because I can tell you everything that's different in it. So I don't know why it doesn't feel like it's a different game each time we play. Why it's sort of. I mean, it doesn't stop me wanting to play. I mean, I put replayability as four because I do really like it and I keep wanting to play it. But something about it doesn't feel like it's got a lot of variety, even though there are all these elements of variety in it. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. I know. It's hard to describe. <laughs> it's hard to describe. It's just the general vibe of the game, you know. <laughs> that moves us on to theme. And I gave this a five. Really, I gave it a four. Okay. Well, uh, look. For me, the theme is Hogwarts versus Avatar, Last Airbender. I mean, personally, they're great uh, themes to really combine together. 
that produces a really interesting, different style of game yep. that, again, I haven't played before or anything like. And I do love the theme, like the just the whole magic school theme and the, the fact that it's the grimoire, this book that's got all these creatures coming out of it and the fact that as it's happening, you are slowly going mad. I love that theme. And the whole, the whole thing of the book and the pages and as you turn those pages, I couldn't think of a, a better way to complement that than what the theme that they've chosen as yeah. well. So I don't know why you've given it a four. You'll have to explain why you're giving it a four, but I thought the theme was amazing and works really well. I do love the theme, but I'm not sure how strong it plays through because the name of the game is Big Book of Madness. And it's a big I'm book in the middle of the thing. And it you, is. In the middle of the board but it's and the you madness. turn it. And you grab the madness cards. We grab a lot of madness cards, but I don't know. When you, when you shuffle your deck and you draw six cards and you've got four madness cards and only two cards you can do stuff with, yeah, I feel a little bit mad, but I feel like angry mad. Like, oh my God, I can't do anything. Um, I'm not sure if I feel like I'm going crazy, but... <laughs> Well, as you're going crazy, your brain's going more murky and you'd have less ability to cast yeah, yeah. these um, spells. But I just, yeah, and the, the spell, the whole spell thing and going mad, like I like the theme and I like that it's there, but I just, I don't, I just don't know how strongly it plays through learning those spells and I don't know, that's why I marked it down because it just didn't. F- <laughs> Personally, I think it worked in really, really well. All right. But... The other thing I did want to say on the theme is it what it does do is when you cast spells, you have to tap the cards. So tapping cards is when you turn them sideways to show that you've used them, which generally means you can't use them again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a – I don't know what the word is, like a cliche. That makes it sound bad. I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing or a, like a trope maybe is the word of magic games. Yep. Like a lot of magic games will use that mechanism of you turn it sideways means you've cast it and you can't do it again. I think it's good that they've done that. Talking about Magic the Gathering no, as, as an example. Well, that's like, an example, yeah. yes, but other games as well use that sort of tapping cards mechanism. And I think it's good that they've used it because because it is a trope. I'm going with trope. I don't know if that's the right word. But because it is a trope of magic games, that does make it feel a little bit more like you're casting magic spells because it's something that's familiar if you've played other games with that mechanism. So, yeah. I mean, I marked it a four. I marked it a four. It's a great theme and it does play through. I'm just not sure how well it plays through. Best and worst. My best is... I almost hate to say this because it is a good game, but my best is actually the artwork on those character cards. I love it. And the theme itself, the idea of it being this magic and this book with monsters coming out. I really love that theme and I love the artwork. I feel like it's letting, I don't know, I don't want to disappoint the game saying that that's the best part of it for me because it is actually a really good game and I really enjoy the game. But that is done so well that I have to say it's my best. I gave something, said something similar, Um, a theme and the book and page mechanism and the way they flip over and casting spells. Yeah, absolutely. The theme uh, is just right on the money. It's, It's great. And your worst. Um, it's the fact that I don't feel like the game has a lot of variety, even though I can tell you that it does. It just doesn't feel like it does. 
And mine is the hardness level for a beginner. <laughs> because player. because we play easy and we don't win. And we don't win. <laughs> uh, it, it can be quite discouraging for some players unless you're up for that challenge. The theme versus the the challenge, like I know it's 14 plus, which is still school age, but I don't know how attractive it would be for people who are a bunch of adults going back to school and casting spells. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All the people who grew up with, and I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Hogwarts. It's okay. I, know, I know, I know, but I'm like, can I, can I mention it? Can I? But people who grew up with Harry Potter are now of the age, you know, they're like our age. So seeing something like this, it's like nostalgia or not nostalgia because let's face it, we're all still really into Harry Potter. <laughs> Hence why Fantastic Beasts is, you know, exists. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> Final thoughts. For me, it's an excellent balance on the theme, presentation, game mechanics that will challenge everyone. I've said that it's a challenging co-op. And it's great if you like the magic school theme, in brackets, Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and that led into my buy if. Buy yeah. if you want a challenging co-op and buy if you like the magic school theme. <laughs> I said uh, buy if you want more than just a deck builder. Um, I've also got buy if you want to see real character in artwork. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've got um, buy if you want to train at Hogwarts to become a bender. <laughs> nice. I did also put Harry Potter bracket. Can I mention Harry Potter? <laughs> you know what? I have. I do have to add this though. There are a lot of Harry Potter games out there. There's the Hogwarts battle and um, the the card game and yeah. um, the Lego game and all sorts of different Harry Potter games. Yeah, Cluedo. I'm pretty sure there's a clue over there. A Harry Potter for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Yeah. It's probably a Monopoly as well. With Peeves, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe he died. Anyway. I feel almost like this is what you want the Harry Potter games to be. Yeah. yeah. Like if you've played the Harry Potter games because you're a Harry Potter fan and none of them quite hit the mark, try this one because I feel like this is what I wanted the Harry Potter games to be. Cool. You've been listening to the All Manner of Things podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us, podcast at allmannerofthings.com. Or alternatively, you can visit our website at www.allmannerofthings.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.